She weighs a lot. Wow. Hi. Hi. That's my daughter Margot. so much work for you too. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. Just moments after she was born. she breathes on her own for the first time, she simultaneously begins the process of opening her mind to the world, to new sights, sounds, smells, touch, feelings and thoughts, and I can't help but think how lucky she is. As I hold her close, I watch how her eyes try to make sense of everything. One thing, though, that she doesn't need to make sense of right now is that this beautiful life will one day come to an end. How amazing it must be to not know that with life comes death. I'm not sure exactly when most children begin to conceptualize death, but I know for my older child, Leon, it began around when he was two and a half. His curiosity began with cemeteries. He wanted to know what they were, why people were buried there, and how. Do you have any other questions about that, Leon? I don't any food underground. No. When you die, you stop needing food. You don't eat anymore and you don't move. You just crawl? No, you're motionless. Your body's not working anymore, sweetie, when you're dead. So you don't need food and you don't move. Do you walk? No, you just lie there. You can't move. Why do you lie? In a coffin. It's just a coffin. It's just a box. It's a wooden box. How did they get in there? Uh, somebody puts them in there. Someone whose job it is to do that. Somebody underground. Yeah, and then other people put the box in the ground, and then they put dirt on top. And then it gets out of the head? No, because they're in the box. They're in the coffin. They're the stadium. Yeah. Bucky Badger. As he has gotten older, his questions have only gotten more complex and harder to answer. I said, after I said, I don't want you to die. Oh, well, I don't remember what you said after that. I but I don't want to die either, and I don't plan on dying for a very long time. 
a memory come back to life? Um, probably not. I would love to come back to life, and some people do believe that you come back to life, but, and that's called reincarnation, but I don't believe that I'll come back to life. Why? Well, because I think that I'll go back to the earth and become part of the soil and help feed the birds and animals and my memories will live on through you and through your kids if you have kids. And then I'll be a grown-up. And then you'll be a grown-up, that's right. And then I'll come out of the ground. Um, I won't be coming out of the ground. But, well, I will after a man or a woman. Um, I don't think you'll be coming out of the ground. Why? But, you know, everybody has different beliefs about what happens after you die. Why do we have to die? Mm, that's a really great question. One that a lot of people are trying to figure out if there's a way that we don't have to die. But right now, our body just can only work for so long. And it's the great mystery of why we have to die, but that's what happens after a very long period of time, usually. Is this a magnet? Yeah, that's a magnet. Can I see the speaker? Yeah. You want to go put it on there? And with a global pandemic going on, he knows that people are getting sick and that some of those people are dying. When we talk about what's going on, I want to be honest with him, but I also want to protect him. But listen to how quickly he changes the subject. His mind hops from one thing to the next, and I'm beginning to think that maybe it's his way of protecting himself. Well, sweetie, can I ask you a question? What? Um, have you been thinking about getting sick a lot? Yes. Lately? Yes. Why? Um, because I don't want to get, like, uh, get, get, die or anything. Is that because we've been talking a lot about the coronavirus? Yeah. Do you have questions about it? Uh, not much, because I haven't seen much people have the coronavirus. Uh-huh. Well, I know it makes us all think about our health a lot, sweetie. And there are a lot of really smart people trying to figure out how to help people with the coronavirus. Mommy, let's put this in my... This can be some, like, music or anything. Mommy, oh. we can put this on and... I'm going to do my best to continue to answer all of his questions, encourage them, however dark and uncomfortable they may be, and maybe, just maybe when he is older, talking about death won't be so hard. In my last episode, I mentioned that I wanted to ask several people the same question. 
Why is it so hard for so many of us to talk about death and dying? I asked friends, family, old co-workers, social workers, a doctor, and a medical ethicist. This is what they shared. Hi, Alex. Thanks for asking this important question about why it's so hard for people to talk about death and dying. I think it's hard because death is inevitable and is shared and common to all of us. Maybe that should make it easier, but I think it's frightening. Um, And perhaps ironically, it may be less frightening if we all talked about it more. But I think it's just scary to think of an end. suggested that also it brings up questions of faith and religion for a lot of people and that is an uncomfortable topic or space to be in um, with folks. I know when my mom was near time for hospice my siblings and I sat down to talk about the DNR paperwork for her, it was the first time that any of us had said out loud to each other our own wishes around even something as simple as would we want to be cremated or buried. So when Alex asked me, why is it so hard to talk about death and dying? You know, at first I didn't think it was really that hard to talk about it. It's not something that I feel like I'm that afraid of. And, you know, certainly everybody dies. So I don't really mind talking about it. And then I realized the more that I thought about it, I very rarely talk about death and dying. And when I actually sit down to talk about it, it's pretty scary. And, you know, I realize that I'm constantly in this defense mode in my mind uh, to, to prevent myself from thinking about death and talking about it. And I avoid it. And, you know, I realize that I've had all these defenses up because if I didn't, I frankly would be terrified all the time. So it's interesting to me that Alex is is doing a podcast just on this because I think that we are afraid to talk about it and bringing it out into the open is really a way to kind of face our fears and our, and, and our own reality, um, which I think we're kind of we have to be in denial of. If not, you know, it would sort of be a terrifying existence. My friend wasn't the only one who mentioned fear. Well, I think it's hard because we all fear the end. We we don't know how it's going to come, and it frightens us. And so people don't like to talk about things that they're scared of. When we don't know how something is going to happen... 
how do we even find the words to describe how we feel about it or how we want to talk about it with other people? I think it's hard for us to talk about death and dying because despite all of the advances that we have made in medicine and technology and our ability to prolong life and uh, forestall death, death itself is quite a profound uh, concept and a profound experience. And I think that words fail us when it comes to talking about what death means and, and this process and this transition between life and death. Um, I think, you know, for those people who have a religious or spiritual grounding in which they can sort of contextualize death and what that means in a particular context, um, perhaps it's a little bit easier. But uh, for those who, who don't have that basis for thinking about death, um, you know, it's very difficult to kind of come to grips with what it all means. And I feel like words sometimes fail us or they just feel very inadequate or uh you know, totally trite or just, you know, unable to really get at what we, what we mean and what we're thinking and feeling when we're facing death. So as a physician, um, I think about death and dying a lot, not only in patients who've recently passed, but also in the patients that I care for, those who are very ill, or even those who are young, who are years away from dying. But I wonder, and sometimes rarely what happens is that they'll get a new diagnosis that is completely unexpected. And I remember um, early in my training, um, the first time I pronounced someone dead and wanting to get it right, but also being very terrified and having it be a really emotional process. And thinking that it wasn't something that was explicitly taught during medical school, which seemed like an error, maybe that I had missed it. And then also thinking about the training that we've had when we have code status discussions with our patients and how little training we receive about how to ask those questions about whether they would want CPR if their heart had stopped or if they would want to die naturally. And hearing about how those questions, the difference in, in terms of um, the responses you get depending on how you phrase those questions. Now with my patients as a primary care physician, I feel like the conversation has shifted around death and dying. I feel like um, as I've developed relationships with them, I've kind of undergone a transition where um, the discussion is a lot more personal and emotional. And despite that, that I'm actually able to serve my patients better as a physician when I'm able to focus on their goals in life um, rather than viewing my role as their physician as someone who is viewing death as their enemy. And even if we did have the words, what if speaking those words out loud brought death a little closer to us? This may seem like a silly comparison, but in baseball... When a pitcher has gone a few innings and hasn't given up a hit, everyone in the stadium knows that it's possible he'll throw a no-hitter. But no players or fans will dare to mention it. Why? Because they worry they'll jinx it and somehow cause that pitcher to give up a hit. And I think a similar dynamic is at work with death. We don't want to talk about it because even if it's on our minds, we're worried that our words will be the jinx and somehow speak it into existence. And then, of course, there is the possibility of pain. Death usually means dealing with pain. Pain for the person experiencing death 
and pain for our loved ones witnessing the process of death and dealing with the emotional toll of death. Pain in the unknown and the permanency of death make us afraid to face it. The permanency of death is what I don't like. I really love my life and I feel so lucky for that. But it makes it harder to imagine that all that love I feel will cease to exist one day. Forever. My son put it best. I'm just so happy I don't want to die. You may wonder if it's easy for me to talk about death. After all, I am doing a podcast about it. From an intellectual perspective, yes, I want to talk about it. I want to study it. I want to try and understand it. But I can talk about death in this removed way because I'm not currently facing it. But if I really let myself feel it, feel what I believe will one day be eternal darkness, I might start crying and not be able to stop. So how did we get here? How did it become so hard for our culture to talk about it? I think our we're not socialized in our culture to talk about things like death and we're removed from it in the way that we live and the way that we we build community it's it people end up in places that are separate from us during the time that they're coming to end of life often which could be a hospital it could be a skilled nursing facility you can still be close to people those they can still be their living settings at that time but and they can be receiving hospice, but um, I think most of us are very removed from the actual process of watching someone come to end of life or being with someone at the end of life. So if we did talk about death more and spent more time around people who are dying, would it be easier for us to face our own inevitable death? A lot of people are probably afraid to talk about dying because they're anxious about the subject and they don't want to be more anxious. But if, but if they just talked about it more, then they would be less anxious, perhaps. I guess we can't know without trying. In the next episode, I interview Glenn Buckland. He has a terminal diagnosis of plasma cell leukemia. I ask him about how he is processing everything, including how he is coping with being high risk during a time when the coronavirus is spreading fast. He's taking practical steps to take care of himself and others, but he's also choosing to focus on what good might come out of all of this. time and place where, you know, what's working better than anything is being compassionate and being kind and giving each other space to work our stuff out and just calming it down, turning away from the shiny things and remembering what's important. And I think that's the lesson that is here to be learned for what it's going to make of all of us. And I, and, and, and frankly, I feel the exact same way personally about my cancer diagnosis.
Listen to more of that interview in the next episode. And until then, please take good care of yourself.